and welcome to Pop Culture Posicast. This is the show where we find all the good stuff and items of pulp culture. Movies, music, comics, TV shows, you name it, and we're going to find the fun stuff in it. I'm Pepe Pat, and joining me as always is my co-host, Jazzy Jared. Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha! <laughs> hey, Pat! I'm happy to be here, and before we tackle today's topic, I'm going to do our quick reminder to our audience of what our mission is with this podcast. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tackle a controversial or maybe even generally disliked item of pop culture. We'll give you our honest overall feelings on it, but most importantly, we're going to shine a light on the positive aspects of the topic for this episode. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to try to convince you to like something you don't like. If you don't like it, that's fine. We just want to find the positive stuff in it. We're also not going to encourage fandom battles. There's no sense in trying to convince somebody who doesn't like something to like it. There's no sense in trying to convince somebody who likes something to not like it. It's a matter of taste. So we're not encouraging fandom battles and we're not telling anyone you're wrong. We're just going to discuss our feelings on these things. And that's what all these things are. All these opinions around pop culture stuff. They're all feelings and feelings are never wrong. You feel what you feel. Just different people feel different stuff when it comes to this kind of stuff. So that's what we're going to do. Back to you, Pat. All right, Jarrett. Thanks for that. Like I said in the opener, we're 100% about finding the good in everything. And as an added bonus, every episode will end with a segment called Positively Practical. Jazzy Jarrett has been in the communication and leadership training business for over 20 years. So he's going to give you practical advice that you can incorporate into your everyday life at the end of every episode. That's right. We're going to enhance your life skills while we talk about fun pop culture stuff. So let's get started. On this episode of Pop Culture Positcast, we're going to be finding the good in The Dark Tower, the movie from 2017, starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Thousands of generations, the gunslingers were knights. Sworn to protect us from the coming of the dark. These visions, as you call them. What do you see? I see a tower. The man in black. And the gunslinger. They're just dreams. They're not real, Jake. There's another world out there. I know there is. Who are you? It's you. You're a gunslinger, right? There are no gunslingers. Not anymore. Why does the man in black want to destroy the tower? The tower protects both our worlds. If it falls, hell will be unleashed. He's like the devil, isn't he? No, he's worse. You can't stop what's coming. Death always wins. Your world might be gone, but mine isn't. You let that tower fall, billions of people die. Do they have guns and bullets in your world? You're gonna like Earth a lot. All right, let's go. You clawing your way out of the darkness? Did you tell the kid whoever walks with you dies by my hand? I will kill him for both of us. I do not aim at my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. With my mind. I do not kill with my gun. I kill with my heart. (laughs) 
All right. The first step in every podcast is to give you our honest thoughts. We will always start by being upfront with you on how we feel about our topic. It's important to remember that even if we aren't super keen on the subject, that doesn't mean we can't find the good in it. So let's get going with our segment called Honest Talk. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Jared, how do you feel about The Dark Tower, the movie overall? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. And this is a good point of the show to tell the audience that Pat and I come at this from two different angles. Yes. I'm a huge reader of Stephen King's universes and books. I have read all the Dark Tower books, even the post-Dark Tower spinoff book. Oh, what was it called? The Wind Through the Keyhole, I think. And I have also read all the Marvel comics adaptations. Well, they're not even adaptations. They actually expand upon the story of the Dark Tower quite a bit. There's a little bit of adaptation, but Interesting. it's mostly new material. And I love all of that. Love it all, Pat. Pat, I'm going to speak for him for a second. He's coming yeah. to you blind on this. He's yeah. not familiar with this universe at all. I've heard of it. I have never read anything in this universe. I know there is a lot of books in this series. Mm -hmm. I've heard people talk highly about it. And I've never experienced it. I've never read Stephen King. I want to say I dabbled in it a little bit. In high school, just read like some of the little short story that he had, mm -hmm. but that was it. So I'm, I'm always considered him as a, you know, horror kind of a scary kind of a tactic, which kind of can see some of that in what we saw. Mm, there's an influence, certainly. Yeah. But other than that, I'm coming into this new and diving into it from the movie aspect, not knowing much about anything. All I know is there's a gunslinger, right? Mm-hmm. And... That's kind of what the series is kind of revolving around is the gunslinger mm -hmm. guy. But that's it. All right. So I am like deep, deep in sconce in this universe. And Pat is just basically watching a movie with almost no background on it. So my thoughts in honest talk, Pat, I might be an anomaly. I really might. Hmm. In that most people I know who are deeply, deeply ensconced in the Dark Tower universe and the gunslinger. And I'm about as deep as you can get, Pat. I've read all the books. Like I said, the spinoff book. I've read all the Marvel comics. I, I've read almost all the book because, like, he wrote it to where it connects to a lot of his other books, sometimes in minor ways. And I've read almost all those other minor connections to his other books. He really sort of ties together a lot of his universe with this really? series. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's really fascinating how he did it. Interesting. So I, I am as deep as, as it can be. And most people I know that are as deep as me hated this movie. And I didn't. I didn't hate the movie. Now, I'll admit, you know, I saw it was coming out. I said, oh, doing the Dark Tower. And it stars Idris Elba. I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting cast choice. I mean, when King wrote it, he very much had Clint Eastwood in mind. I mean, it's okay. a gunslinger. And he started writing this book in like the late 70s <laughs> or so, early 80s. So That's what I was wondering. Is it kind of when I was hearing thoughts about the gunslinger the dark tower series was it a westerny kind of a, a thing i can see watching the movie some the influence in that mm -hmm. for sure it's, it is a montage of a lot of different things the gunslinger himself is sort of a very western character but mix that with a little bit of knights of the round table yes okay is a lot Jedi of knights, that. so to say yeah it's got a lot of heavy influence from king arthur there's influence in those books from marvel comics there's mm. influence in those books from his other book. It's it's fascinating. But anyways, uh, like I said, everybody who's about as deep as I was and it hated it. I didn't hate it. I went in the movie. I watched it. And I actually enjoyed it. Did um, you see I, it in the theater? I did. I, okay. I took my son at the time. Uh, well, he's still my son. <laughs> I took my son Jordan to see it. And I will admit when I saw it again, like first glance. Okay. It's got starts Idris elbow. which I was like, okay, that's interesting. Cause you kind of always pictured sort of a Clint Eastwoody Western guy, but I'm like, that nah, Idris is great. I don't have any beef with that. It's going to mm -hmm. be fine. Yep. And the thing that caught my eye the most, Pat was the runtime. I saw yes. the movie was 90 minutes and I went, wow, seven book series in 90, 90 minutes. minutes. Yes. And so a part of me probably felt the same thing that all those other deep in the universe fans felt. 
And was like, there's just like, there's no way you can do it justice in that time. So I did the, you know, I've been doing the positivity thing for a long time, Pat. Mm -hmm. So I did that thing where I shifted gears in my mind. I went, okay, given a 90 minute time frame, I'm very interested to see what they do. And so that's how I went to the movie is I was like, I'm clearly not going to get the seven book story, <laughs> but I want to see what they can do with it in 90 minutes. And so this is my True. ultimate thing. Okay. I know I've rambled on a lot, but ultimately I will say this, this movie was as good as it can be to capture the essence of seven long novels. Well, first one short in 90 minutes. I think it, did its job really well for what parameters it had. And I'll mm. stop talking there and let's get your thoughts as someone who's never seen it. What was your first sort of overall opinion of the dark tower 2017? As we mentioned going into this, I knew nothing about it and I didn't go and look up anything. It's just all word of mouth things that I've seen or heard on the internet and never gone out searching it. So I'm like, you know what? Let's give this a try. You know, I want to know what people are raving about this concept, right? And that's the way I was looking at it is let me get into this universe. I didn't know how many books were in it. I just knew it was somewhat of a, a longer series. Mm -hmm. So to hear you say that they condensed the books down to this 90-minute movie, yeah, I can see honestly how people could be upset with that because, you know, this could be something like the Lord of the Rings could have mm -hmm. no different than when they did the cartoon back in the day. Yeah. Bass and Rankin or Rankin yeah, and Bass. Bass cartoon, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cartoon. And that was like, you know, maybe two hours around in that. And that's a lot of, you know, what three books in that. And right. to, to find out that there's longer books and to, and to condense it down like they did, I think wasn't, bad because for me just jumping into it it gave me a flavor for what this universe is mm, good point my usual take when we do either watch a movie or have to do some bigger stuff is a few days before we record i'll kind of watch things at night just because it's quiet in the house i can either put headphones in and watch it on the big screen and just kind of get comfortable and immerse myself into the story and i usually do that later at night so i try to divide it up into segments to watch it if I have to, just in case I fall asleep. So I'm like, okay, let me get into half an hour of this movie and then I'll finish it the next day. I got an hour into this movie. Mm -hmm. I went the extra into it just because I was really interested on how this was playing out and what was going on. So what I'd like to know more of, and we can either we do it here or we do it after we get through it is what is missing in it. I mean, <laughs> I could tell that there's stuff missing, and from other, because they kind of, this basically like watching the cliff notes of the book. So absolutely. And the biggest thing that's missing, I'll tell you right now, people's biggest complaints is there's some key characters missing. Uh, the gunslinger actually ends up making like a group, uh -huh. quartet, as it's called a quartet, I think is what he calls it. And there's a disabled black woman named Susanna and a young, like in his twenties, guy named eddie and they still have the boy jake okay and then there's like a little almost raccoon like but very intelligent animal that w doesn't exist in real life and his name is sure boy. and they make what's called the quartet and it's that team that goes on the mission to are they from the other alternative oh man it's so like that's what I want to know. They get about. pulled through basically different spots in time. You know, so those are the biggest. I mean, we could okay. talk, I could literally yeah, talk yeah. for hours about what's missing. We could really talk for hours on it. But so overall, Pat, you came away thinking I got a good touch flavor of what this universe Correct. Yeah. Is. With, and what this universe is all about. I almost think that a good comparison would be to imagine that you've never read any comics. You've never picked up a Batman comic in your life. Mm -hmm. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of issues of story. And you only watch 1989 Batman. Mm. I feel like that's a similar, <laughs> similar yeah. comparison. That's a good one. It'll give you the flavor, but it's not going to give you everything. So, yeah. This is one of our more interesting, honest talks. We've, we've, we've I think it is, yeah. Because <laughs> we know, come I, from so different perspectives on this. <laughs> yeah. But it's Posicast, and not just because it's Posicast. We both enjoyed it. We'll find out how much later on. 
And now that you know how we feel on it, it's time to find out what the internet has to say in a segment called The Pit of Despair. Where am I? The Pit of Despair. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about trying to escape. The chains are far too thick. During the pit of despair, I get the unenviable task of finding the more common negative opinions on this episode's topic of the Dark Tower. I look on social media. I look in the comments of IMDb. It's a cesspool, people. <laughs> so, so that Peppy Pat and I might address them. So put on your helmet, Pat. We're diving into them internets. All right, Pat, you ready for our first comment? I am ready. Let's go. All right, here is our good friend Delvin the Dark Web Williams with our first Pit of Despair comment for the evening. Hello, everybody. Guess what time it is? <laughs> well, well, it's 12 23rd on April the 12th. I'm recording this late, but oh, oh I, I forgot. It's also time for the Pit of Despair. And I got a few comments here in the Pit of Despair about the Dark Tower and. Man, I hope y'all are uh, strapped in because these comments are nice. One starts out funny and the other two are just like, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so first comment says, imagine someone took all of Game of Thrones in one movie that was just an hour and a half, then cut out 99% of the story. Sad face. It was important to mention sad face there because the person did not sound happy making that comment funny as it was. Now, I imagine, Pat, that that comment doesn't affect you a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> it doesn't. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, what what was I missing? And I think that's what I'm really now interested in. Because seeing the movie, I got kind of the main path or what was happening. What am I missing? I want to know. You know what I mean? This was a good way of diving into the series to make me go wow maybe i really should find the books and get into this i'm not a fast book reader and so i think i might just go look for the audio on mm. audio and yeah. do it that way yeah audio books for these are available i have a couple of them myself but man it's a journey it's a lot of content but i will say this i'm not a fast reader either but they go by uh, really fast. Like I burned through the books. Like I'm not normally a fast reader, but for these, I just, I probably read all seven in one year. Wow. And then they came out with an eighth one later on that kind of goes back and tells a bit of a story that happened in the yeah. middle. Okay. Um, anyways, getting back to the comment though, it says, imagine, you know, someone told you game of Thrones in one movie, it was an hour and a half cut out 99% of the story. I mean, I get where that person's coming from. I do. I mean, that's going to be the most consistent complaint is that you mm -hmm. had a bounty full amount of story and it's just kind of a 90 minute teaser or sampler, if you will. Sure. And I, I get yeah, that. Good way. But again, I took that extra step and shifted the gears in my brain before I ever went. And to be honest with you, Pat, this has kind of always been one of my superpowers. I am really good at separating books from movies. Sure. I can still remember at a pretty young age, 12, 13 years old, I read Peter Benchley's Jaws and then I watched Jaws and then, of course, once you've done both, you start talking to Jaws people. Well, which did you like better? And I was like, they're different. I have a hard time comparing a book to a movie because, like, it's a different experience. It's a mm -hmm. so and, yeah. And you know, everybody's experience, whether they read something, watch something, or listen to something, is going to be just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So now you have a screenwriter, a director with their versions of what they saw in their head could totally be different than what the actual author was visualizing in their head. Absolutely. It's a tricky thing. I mean, at the end of the day, Pat, would I trade this movie for a multiple season Netflix series that actually goes through, you know, fairly detailed sure. story of the books? I probably would. I probably would. And there's plenty of Dark Tower fans that would take that journey with me, and we'd probably pick up some new fans along the way. Nowadays time, yeah. To have it played out that way, you would probably get in more viewer and watchship, just like Game of Thrones as well, yeah. too. When that came out, those books were just flying off the shelves then. 
And I've never read a single one. I've never seen I'm, an episode of the show. Either. I've never read the book, and I've only seen like one or two episodes of the beginning of it. It's something I want to watch. And, you know, I heard so much great things about it, too. It's, you know, hmm. got to have that time. Speaking of time, let's get to mm. our next pit of despair. This one's a little more lengthy, so stay with me. Let's go back to Delva now and get our second pit of despair comment for this episode. All right, second comment. Here we go. I was warned by trusted friends that, as a fan of the books, I would be sorely disappointed with this movie. I didn't listen. I was warned by trusted friends that the movie bears only the merest passing resemblance to the books and butchers even those points. I didn't listen. I was warned by trusted friends that, even if viewed without any prior knowledge of the books, it was still a terrible movie in its own right. I didn't listen. I'm grateful that I didn't pay anything other than my time to watch this movie and I will never doubt my trusted friends again. It saddens me to think about they wasted the incredible opportunity this movie represented. Maybe someday someone will do the books justice and not just make crap like this as a quick money grab. All right. Coming back from that, Pat, obviously the, the, part of that pit of spare comment that leaps out at me yes. is that even if viewed without any prior knowledge of the books, it was a terrible movie in its own right. Mm. I don't know, Pat. It feels like this person might be tainted by their love of the source material. I believe Did you so. think it was a terrible movie? I didn't think it was a terrible movie. I did think that it felt like it was on a fast paced. Mm, mm -hmm, mm. Cause you got right into what's going on. They did do a good job of kind of explaining some things along the way, giving you the history of the gunslinger, and you got to see why he feels that way. And I thought it was really cool. I'm like, oh, hey, it's the Allstate guy. <laughs> yeah, the Allstate guy. <laughs> or the president like, of the United States, if you watch 24. Yep, he was the president of the United States as well, too. So I'm like, oh, cool. But I didn't feel that way at all. But I could feel there's stuff missing that I wanted more detail on. Interesting. Even as an outsider, you felt like it was just kind of on fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going through this thing, kind of a, a fast pace telling the story, but it, it was a good action movie. There was a lots of action going on in this. There wasn't a lot of dull parts. It was onto the action, onto the action. Let's get to the tower. Let's figure out how to stop the man in black from taking over the world, which I'd still like to know a little bit more why he's doing it. And what's his beef with the gunslinger? And mm -hmm. you kind of get a little of that, you know, verbally say, but I want to know more. Oh, there's so much more, Pat. So much more. But I mean, and again, I told you we're going to keep coming back to that. It's going to be everybody's biggest complaint. And the, the end of that last bit of despair that Delvin read for us, you know, incredibly wasted opportunity. Maybe someday they'll do the books justice and not just make crap like this as a quick money grab. Now, obviously, I wouldn't call the movie crap. I'm not on board with that part of the comment at all. I think it has value. I think it has something to offer. I think the movie is best served as a gateway. Yes. Like if I was trying to sell you, Pat, like on reading these seven volumes of hefty material. Yes. Your initial instinct might be like, eh, it's a deep dive. But if I said, hey, how about you watch this 90 minute movie? Here's seven volumes to tell you everything you missed. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like watching a good recap of something. To get like a, you, it's like an infomercial for. Yeah. <laughs> and if you act now, if you watch this ninety-minute movie right now, we we'll send you all seven volumes, <laughs> so you can read along and figure out what you missed. Okay, I'm down for that. <laughs> all right, let's get Delvin to give us our final comment from those dark, dark pits of despair mm. called the internets. All right, the last comment here. Ah, yeah, I'll just get into it. Not nice. Without a doubt, the worst adaptation of a book I have ever seen and horribly directed. It is amazing how a director can totally destroy his own movie with his own stupidity. I am deeply disappointed in Ron Howard for having anything to do with this garbage. Idris Elba was completely the wrong actor to play Roland, and McConaughey's performance was so literally stupid. This is a prime example of what not to do in filmmaking. This comment is not over. This is still one comment. Nicolaj Arcel is an idiot as a director. 
and the screenwriter should be expelled from their guild. Fans have waited years to see The Dark Tower made, and this is what we get? Shame on Stephen King for even allowing this to happen. I guess that accident really did screw up his marbles. All in all, there is nothing worth spending your money on to see here. Dang, I don't even have a joke for that. That's just brutal, even for the pit of despair. So, yeah, back to you, Pat and Jared. Good luck with that. Well, Pat, that comment certainly had a lot of hate in it. (laughs) Mm, All over it. I did see that Ron Howard at the end was a part in this. Yeah, he was a producer, I think. This is his production company. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. Okay, I, I want to just look at the comment itself right here. And and it's comments like this that I almost automatically just dismiss. Here's key words that tell me this comment is of no value to me. The director's stupidity. This is garbage. Completely the wrong actor. Literally stupid. An idiot. You know, when you resort to name calling, stupid, yeah. idiot, garbage, that automatically tells you you don't really have mature thoughts on this you just came to the internet to be mad mm-hmm. i thought edris's acting was decent oh he's great in it yeah he made me believable of who he was the character he was playing no fighting you on that pat yeah. matthew mcconaughey's acting i think he did the best that he had with it interesting character like i said that i want to know more about him because he seemed like a really sly kind of <laughs> Oh, yeah. Devious kind of guy. Oh, yeah. And I think it's interesting that this has come from Stephen King, where, you know, in my mind, because I'm not a King fan, or I wouldn't, I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I'm just not, you know, know, had a lot of interest because I always thought he did, you know, the scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have that kind of wacky stuff. But there are some stuff that I've liked in the past. I love to point out to folks that some of his most successful works especially on screen, are not his scary stuff. The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption, The Running Man, those are all King properties that are really, really good and really well thought of, and most people don't think of them as Stephen King movies. We're definitely getting a bit away from Dark Tower, but that's fine. But Stephen King has a lot of offerings outside of horror. This has really made me more interested to finding more about at least King and what he does. And especially more about this series. I'm interested, which I wasn't before. So I think these comments that are coming from must be people that are truly involved and and deeply appreciate the work that is done in the novels. Yeah. I think that's what makes it hard for some to make that separation between you have one medium. Now you have to move it to a different medium. How do you do that? Is it going to get lost in translation? It could. Or, you know, you can leave it up to a little more interpretation. Just like listening to a, a song that you like, when people do a cover of it or an alternative version of it, you may find that, wow, I like the, their take on this song. It's a little bit different. It's not going to make you not like the original. In fact, it may want to make you go back to the original and listen to it to figure out the tweaks and that, that have done from it. Yeah. I think it's a good example, Pat. I think it really is. It's like when you were talking about that, the first thing that sprang to my mind was like, you can't help falling in love by Elvis. And then it's remade by UB 40 with a reggae sound. Exactly. And I love them both, but I think there are people who are so steeped in love for Elvis that they automatically hate the 40 song. And I think that's what we're seeing here in the pit of despair yeah. is, is there's such a love for the source material. They automatically hate it. Another parallel I like to draw is between this and Watchmen. Sure. The Watchmen movie that came out. Cause I went and saw Watchmen. I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. And yeah. there's like all these people who hated it. They're like, they were, so they were so deep into Watchmen lore and I'd read Watchmen, but it had been so long. I didn't remember the details. Yeah. So when I watched, I thought, Oh, that's a really good representation of what I read in the comic. That reminds me when I read the comic. But there are people who are so deep and they just hated it. I think that's. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's opened up your mind. Yeah. And like I said, I knew I'd have to do that. As soon as I saw yeah. that 90 minute runtime, I mean, even if it had a two and a half hour runtime, Pat, I would have been like, it's just not enough time. And mm-hmm. now, if it had been called the Dark Tower Part One. And that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> and that's why, that's why I asked how many books were in the series because I was like, was this just part one? Oh, no. Was there more? 
They condensed they it all into pretty one. much condensed seven into 90 minutes. Okay. I mean, yeah. Interesting. It sounds. I guess I would like to maybe find more information out about why they did that. What was their thoughts? I don't know. But like I said, way back in then, when we were giving our honest thoughts, if you're going to take seven hefty books and cram it in the 90 minutes, I don't think you could have mm-hmm. done it, you know, any better. But with that, Pat, get us out of the pit. All right. We did it. We survived another dive into the internet that calls for a celebration. And we do that on this show in our most important segment called Gimme the Good Stuff. Tell me something good. Tell me that you like it. Yeah. So during Gimme the Good Stuff, Jared and I will each reveal our list of three things that we liked about today's feature. So let's get cracking. Jert, what do you have? Item number one, Pat. I'm going to pick a particular moment that I loved. And as you probably figured out without having read seven books, this gunslinger guy, mm-hmm. Roland DeShane is his name, is an amazing, amazing <laughs> gunslinger. Yes. yes, Like he's trained his whole life for it. And I love the moment that they use to show that when they're in the village and the dude's running away and he, and he's able to clear his mind of all the other noise around him. And he doesn't even, so he doesn't even look, he just aims off to the side. He's not even looking in that direction. Very quiet, very contemplate filters out all the noise, squeezes off one round and gets the guy. I was like, that is, I mean, Reading that in the books was one thing, like how amazing he is when you read the books. You're like, dang, that's so cool. But to see it visually, yeah, awesome. So that's my first well, one. Let me ask you this now. Now that you've kind of seen the visuals of this environment, is it what you thought or does it enhance your reading now? You know, kind of both, Pat. It was a really good representation of what I read. It felt right to me, like just the visuals of it. You okay. know, the pieces and parts that obviously play over. I really like, all right, I'll give you my second one. I, maybe I should okay. just do all three of mine or you could do three of yours. I really like the fake skin over, uh, yeah. over the villains because that's really how I saw it in my mind in the books. I thought uh-huh. that was um, super cool. My third one will be, I actually really enjoyed you know, Idris's performance because Roland is a very serious character mm-hmm. who very rarely says anything funny. And I liked how they did that in the movie to where he was a very serious character. And they use that, especially when he comes to modern day New York to make him funny. I like when he talks to those yeah. two girls on the bus, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you forgot the face of your father. He's like, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> or the best part is when he's at the hospital and he's like, I gotta uh, fetch my guns. <laughs> like what (laughs) oh it's great it's really great i like the characterization that Idris brought to it i like how they were still able to bring in a couple of funny moments without making the character he's not being funny he's not trying to make a joke but he's a man out of time the the old trope yeah so there those are my three and usually we we kind of ping pong these but you got me you got me going so i i really want to know as an outsider looking in what are your three favorite things about the film one of them is the characters, I really found Edris's performance interesting because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it, but I thought he played that hard-edged, grizzled, this is what I do, this is my life, this is what I'm born to do. Now this guy made me mad, and I have to get revenge because he killed my father. And I thought that portrayed pretty well in this that I was interested in his journey. I also liked just the overall kind of concept of this all how they kept kind of peeling back more layers of it where to find out you know it's the tower that holds between all these other wedges or you know the circle and all these other circles you feel it in you know what was happening in one world is being done in all the other kind of worlds or universes around there that they could kind of jump between them Kind of matrixy kind of a thing where you're once your eyes are open to it, or if you had this special shine, that you would be able to do that. And so I really want to learn more about this universe. <laughs> oh, it's so fascinating and so multi-layered, Pat. There's so much, there's so much to know. It, it's King's Magnum Opus for a reason. It's 
I don't even know how to say it. The world building. You're a guy who likes world building. The world yeah. building and, and is that's, and that, beyond amazing. And that's probably, yeah, what really got me in is I like the world. I like learning about it and how it all comes together like that. So if you don't like that, I can see where you're kind of mad about it because the world that you built up in your mind isn't what was portrayed. But for me, it's like, I want to know what it is. And I think it'd be fun, you know, just hearing your love for it and your excitement is getting me even more excited to say there's more <laughs> stuff. You, I re, you know, you really got to do it. I don't want to tell you, you got to do this. I'm like, oh man, I got to do this. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I burned through them. And then I got the two hardcover editions because I'm fancy. Yeah. Of, of the Marvel. And I was so pleased to see that it's a lot of new material. Oh, okay. And so that's even interesting. The, when I read the hardcovers from Marvel, I've often said this. I, I might even told you this before, Pat. Like of all my hardcover collective editions, this and that, I think those are my favorites. Mm. Because when I read them, they take me back into that universe that I spend yeah. so much time in and they're done so well. I get a special feeling when I read yeah. them. You know, I've seen people talk about on the internet, they've asked questions like, you know, if you could live in any fantasy world, you know, and I was like, oftentimes my first thought is I'd live in the world of the gunslinger, mm. but it's a dangerous and terrible the, world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, definitely. I can see it so vivid. Anyway, this is your round. No, what, no, else did, I, what else did you enjoy about the movie? Pat? The other cool thing was the action scenes. And I mentioned this earlier on. This movie was really condensed. And so it played a lot more like there was just action upon action upon action. There was some slow parts where you had to catch your breath and then you went back into the action again. And then at the final end, you see how awesome of a gunslinging that he can be and oh, when he yeah. bought those bullets on those i'm like what, what, what is he gonna do with that and then he just starts going you know the bullets in the round i'm like that is cool how he's loading his bullets and i'm like he's going to town with uh, is it a six shooter or how many yeah uh, i think his, that, i think he's got two really big six shooters <laughs> so he's going to town with just 12 bullets but he's taking out fools left and right he does not miss <laughs> no and and he's got to reload them and they're going out they got machine guns just wasting bullets but he's like foom, 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 load, foom, foom, foom. i'm like man that is cool oh yeah that and, final shootout in the was it the barbecue it was a barbecue restaurant in the book i'm trying to remember if it was in the movie Whatever the big shootout in the building, sure. the, man, in the building that, yeah, the, the one you're talking about, in the pigs, thing. yeah, that was cool, and just the trick shots that he was doing, especially to take down the man in black. Oh yeah, you McConaughey, he can play a scary guy. Yeah, he did a good job of playing dark. And was that what you thought it was in your mind when you read it? When I read the book, like the action itself, like how awesome he is, yes, but like to see it given form on the screen yeah. blew me away. Again, I don't want to taint anything for you. The ending of the movie, that's not how the book is. The, the book has a very, very clever ending. Yeah, I figured the book probably... It's not nearly as straightforward as yeah. what you get in the movie. We can save that for another day. For If you, sure. if you ever get a chance to go through them, maybe we'll podcast about it. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe that'd be a great way to podcast. We do chapter or a few chapters. One so. chapter at a time. We're going to go through all seven oh, of these. So. There we go. If you're interested, let us know. I, I mean, I'd be down. I mean, this is probably our longest episode of the podcast. We have, I know I have a lot to say because I'm so deep in the universe, but I'm really glad we've got your perspective too. So let's wrap up our final thoughts on this one, Pat. And I think I've made mine very clear. I enjoyed the movie for what it was, but I think it was because I did the prep work to separate it in my mind. I, mm -hmm. I literally was like, okay, it's a 90 minute movie. It's not part one of seven. So I was mentally prepared. And, okay. I, and, and so I enjoyed what I saw. The visuals that I saw in my mind and the books are very much well represented on the screen with the exception of the gunslinger himself. But again, Idris did a wonderful job. So no complaints about the recast on that. In the end, uh, I like the movie. You know, on a scale of one to ten, I would probably give the movie a seven. I enjoyed it just fine. Interested to see what you would give it on a scale of one to ten, since you don't have any baggage to go with it. So, if you wouldn't mind sharing your one to ten and your your last thoughts, my last thoughts, and I'll continue to say it. It was a good jumping on movie, jumping in point. So now, 
when I go and read or listen to this, I can now have some visualization of what's happening or, or, or things like that. Especially, you know, when he goes into Midworld and he's walking around and then they get attacked and to come to find out that it's in an amusement park area and that they have, you know, that kind of a normal earth, I'm going to call it normal earth, how that kind of slides together like that was interesting to me to see. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, right. It's there in the amusement world. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, that's so much to say, but that's kind of one of the things about Midworld is they talk about how there are parts where Midworld connects to our world and the connections are very thin. Yeah. And that's how you can move kind of between these universes. Okay. You know, so there's parts where it kind of bleeds out. Anyway, I go on. No, it makes sense now. And then there's, that's why these gates are there or however they go back and forth like that. Again, it's a good jumping on point for somebody that hasn't seen it. Or maybe it's a good way to get you pumped if you have read it. I can tell that you watching it, you're pumped. You're like, oh man, I want to reread these things. I do. Probably. It does make me want to reread the books. You know, it's a good, quick 90 minute get you into that mood for that stuff to go, ah, you know, I'm a little more hungry. It, it was kind of filling, but I really want to get some of that. I want to go back for seconds and get more of that dessert. Enjoy it. It's like almost if you watch like The Spy Who Loved Me, you know, some random Bond movie, and all of a sudden you're like, I want to watch them all again. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Go back through them all. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I'm going to give it a six. I can't go to the seven because I could definitely tell that there was pacing and they were just, you know, rushing to get to where they needed to get. So it's like, well, wait a minute. They go from here to here to there. And it's like they were leaving out some stuff. Mm, interesting that you could detect that. You could feel it. As I could hour. feel it in the, in the movie because it just was moving forward and forward and forward and forward. And I could feel it on either side, you know, even with the man in black, I would have liked a little more background, a little more history or, or detail of why he's doing it. How did he build this place? You know, what's he going to get in the end, you know, besides letting the demons in or, or things like that? Well, how does he have these, these skills and this power? How, wh- why did that come about that he can just tell somebody to stop and boom, they stop breathing? Mm-hmm. You know, to me, is, is he the devil? Is is it certainly can, allegorical? Yeah, yeah. Well, and to to learn more about that too, what allegories are going on there that I could relate to? So that's where I'm at. Fair enough. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's get into the segment I promised earlier, the one that can help you in your day to day life. Jazzy Jared's positively practical. Ha-cha-cha-cha. Gather round me, everybody, gather round me while I preach some. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. You got to spread joy. All right, thank you, Pat. For those of you who might want more of this kind of thing, I would encourage you to check out my other podcast, my more professional podcast, if you will, Leadership Tips with Jared. It's out there on all your finer podcatchers. In fact, this is a topic that I'm going to expand upon a little bit more on an upcoming episode. And today's topic is time is an ally. What do I mean by that? Time is one of those things that can really help you balance your emotions and how you come across to people. Oftentimes we are presented with things that frustrate us. Okay. Whether it be in the news or maybe an email, your boss sent you or anything that gets your dander up, Pat, if you get your dander up, Mm, it's easy to want to punch back quickly. And I don't think in the history of the world, anyone who's ever punched back quickly to an email they didn't like or something they saw on social media or whatever and they had to make that comment because if someone got their dander up, I don't think anybody has ever truly kind of been proud of how they represented themselves. So your most forgotten ally is time. Take the time to distance yourself from it. You know, a great tip, and we may have even mentioned this on a previous show, is if you got that thing that you want to write back, then by all means, write it. Just don't click send. Come back to it mm-hmm. the next day. See if you still feel the same. I doubt you will. Don't let your emotions rule your moments. Always seek to respond and not react. Those are two very different things. 
So use time as your ally. If you don't have to respond to somebody in that moment, then don't. Because nine times out of 10, it's a dangerous moment for you to respond. Use time as your ally. Take the breath. Separate yourself from whatever the situation is, social media, the email from your boss, whatever it is. Even if it's you at home with your spouse and they said something that really made you mad. Instead of responding in anger and basically throwing gas on the fire, take time and realize that things are rarely as bad as they seem on the surface. Use time as your ally. And I'll leave you with that. So basically, as Orange Juice Jones said... Basically, just don't run up and do a ramble on somebody. Instead, Instead just chill. Just chill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got it, Pat. You know, we all know how it is, Pat, when you feel the emotions mm-hmm, creeping in. Definitely. And you know when you're about to send an emotional response rather than a practical one. So take the time. Say, you know what? I don't have to respond to this today. Let me see how I feel tomorrow. I agree. Definitely a good topic. Use the time you have. We all we're we're not good at it. We like to hit back fast and hard, and rarely does that get you. But with that, it is time to give out some more positivity and show some love to our Crusaders Club members. And as usual, these are the great people who have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box crusade episodes. We've got like over 40. I finished it videos out there now that you guys can go see. That's all access to you. We do uh, raffle giveaways. You automatically get entered for raffles. You get to vote on show programming. There's a lot of benefits to being a Crusaders Club member. So let's talk about who those people are. Angelica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Gary Viola. Gerald Green. Jason Keene. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. You've been practicing. I have. <laughs> In the shower. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Poyo. Josh Strickland. Slanger. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Maxwell Traber, Michael Wagner, Miranda W, P.D. Devins, Paul Hicks, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Spidey67, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cup, Brad Morin. Missed anyone on the list? Of course, we apologize. You guys know we record these well in advance. So if we messed up, we do apologize. And you can straighten us out by sending us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to join the Crusaders Club, it's very easy. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You can get all those benefits from the Crusaders Club. Come join and let's talk in secret on the Patreon page. <laughs> Except you, Jason. Uh, it doesn't apply to all Jasons. Jason Keene's allowed. Jason Albrecht's not. Okay, let's get into some feedback from our last episode, which was way back in February. Wow. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but I'm yes. glad we did. And speaking of feedback, we have a new way that you can give us feedback. We encourage you to give us a call at our voicemail line. This is not made up. This is not a bit. This is a real thing. If you dial 707-532-5269, you'll get our voicemail. We'd love if you left us a voicemail and we would play it on a future show. Again, that's 707-532-5269, which is 707-532-LBOX. Pat? Pick up the phone. Mm. (laughs) $5.99 a minute. Please get your parents' permission to call. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Pat, let's take a look at our feedback from... Back in February, we covered the Conan television yes. show. Yeah, it was very like Xena or Hercules-ish. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Adventure, was it Adventures of Conan? Something like that. I wish I'd written it down. <laughs> but it was the Conan TV show from the 90s. And uh, go ahead and grab a comment. All right. I'll take one from Green Lantern HG. And Green Lantern, it's great to hear from you. Another great episode, Posse Guys. I've never heard of the show, but you've never led me into a trap, so I'll give it a shot. On a side note, Jason's spirit voice should be on more often. Just saying. Forgot about <laughs> That's the spirit right. of Jason. <laughs> Jason was there. 
Oh, it's so oh. good to hear from GLHG. Our next comment is from Joe Ralph. And I think he's a first time comment. Yeah. I think he's a first time commenter. And he says, this is the man you're looking for. And he attached a picture of another one of those very in that vein shows from the late 90s, The Adventures of Sinbad. Ooh, I'm interested in that. I kind of am too. You know, we covered a Sinbad movie over on Saturday Matinee Matinee Theater. Theater. And that was fun times. It was. And this guy looks like, you know, this is like the long hair and he's got the. Oh, yeah. This got to be 90s. He's very of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't get the part on 90210, but the good news is you got Sinbad, so. <laughs> I'd take that, but it's not going to get the ladies on the 90210. But anyway, <laughs> our last comment is from Delvin Williams, and he says, I personally think that the pit of despair is the best. Impartial listener. Hmm. <laughs> Impartial? I don't. Hmm. I do want to say positively, Delvin, you bring a fun spin to it. Yes, we do appreciate you doing the pit of despair for us. But impartial? (laughs) Just kidding. And that'll bring us to the end of this episode of Pop Culture Posicast. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movie, serials, and so much more, go ahead and check out the entire Lawnbox Crusade Network. Jazzy Jared, where can they find that? Well, Pat, I am glad you asked. <laughs> they can find it on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your reputable podcatchers and some of the shadier ones. You can check us out at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with interactive live streams. And that's all at Longbox Crusade. As a reminder, leave us that voicemail at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the, the phone. <laughs> Back to you, Peppy Pet. And if you like to chat with us online, I can be found at Christatos01. Jared, where can they find you? I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. If you want to check out my wares, my art wares, you can check out theyardsaleartist.com. If you happen to be a Stephen King fan, I have a few pieces of book page mm-hmm. sketch that might interest you. This whole thing has been a commercial for my website. They always are. They always are. But you know what? It's a great place to go and to get some cool stuff. Really neat things to get from Jared. Oh, thank you, Pat. And thank you to our audience for joining us for this episode of Pop Culture Podcast. We look forward to chatting again soon. And remember, the old Native American tale tells us we each have two wolves that battle inside of us. One is positive and uplifting, and one is negative and burdensome. Which one wins? It's the one that you feed. Catch you next time. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it.